welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This show, Season 3, Episode 6, was broadcasted on Friday the 7th of May 2021. In this episode we welcome Romana Eggensperger, Master of Wine. Besides obtaining the world's most prestigious title in the wine industry, Master of Wine, she is a wine lover and educator with great knowledge of the German wine market. In the show we talked about the past, present and future of Germany as a wine country. We discussed the wine regions, terroir and the principal wines that are being produced in the country. Welcome everyone to another edition of Cellar Talks and today we're going to uh, talk about Germany in episode 6 of season 3 and um, we have a guest, uh, Romana Eggensberger, Master of Wine, so we're waiting a couple of minutes until she's uh, entering the show and um, well, hi, wine vlog, you're also watching, very nice. So um, today we're going to talk about Germany and we're going to discuss uh, the regions of Germany, some of the interesting facts uh, and also some new trends and upcoming stuff. So we're waiting uh, for Romana to, uh, to join us in a couple of minutes. And obviously we're also going to talk with her about her uh, work as a master of wine. So uh, that should be very interesting to see uh, what she's, uh, what she's uh, doing currently. For today, obviously, we're drinking wine, uh, like uh, every episode, and we're drinking German wine from my friends from uh, Wittmann. But let's see what Romana is drinking. I think she is uh, already in here. So let's see if I can get her in. Just one second. Hello. Hi. Hey, there you are. Hi, nice to meet you. So Hi, everybody. That, that worked perfectly in the first try. It's the first try, yes. I never yeah. did that before, and yeah, well, good to good to be online and good to see you. Yeah, very good. Great evening. <laughs> thank you, thank you for joining us. I mean, um, it was a uh, uh, appointment was easily 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 made. I mean, you were happy to join us, and I'm happy to have you here because obviously you know a lot uh, about wine, but you also know a lot about Germany. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about Germany and it's uh, Sauvignon Blanc day somebody is saying so maybe we can talk about that as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's quite a, bit, a little bit of a trend in Germany as well there, there are some uh, yes uh, yeah. I, I tasted uh, one from Van Wenning not so long ago actually two because they have three different ones but okay. uh, it's interesting to see uh, yeah how, how the new wines are uh, uh, how the wines are evolving in Germany but let's touch a little bit of that topic later uh, okay. I wanted to start with the introduction from your side. So for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in life and how you came to be a master of wine. But there's more to it than that. Huh? 
Okay, so yeah, you would. I should. Uh, yeah, what what is my story a little bit? How came I yeah. uh, into the wine business? So I I have a, actually a very strange uh, CV because I was uh, first doing uh, layouts. I was uh, learning layouts, so doing layouts. It was very boring, and then I started working um, in the restaurant, uh, but you know only in the in my spare time and so on. And then I uh, decided with twenty. When I was 21 years old, to go to focus on gastronomy. I made a second apprenticeship, uh, was doing that in, uh, in Munich in a very nice mm -hmm. restaurant, and they have fantastic wines. So because my background, I'm from Bavaria. Bavaria is known for beer. They drink beer, right? <laughs> I love beer too, but, uh, you know, and but this was a fantastic, as uh, was the Hotel Königshof. They had an amazing wine cellar, and then, so I was bitten by the wine bug, and then I went for a sommelier at education and then I did the diploma course uh, and then I said okay I want to leave gastronomy because since it is a fantastic job but it's a very hard job yeah. you know very tiring so many working hours weekends so evenings late and I, and I always wanted to have kids um, yeah. so and then I said okay now let's go for the master of wine to, yeah to have also some foundation to go then to being self-employed and so on and so on. I, I like how you say some foundation because yeah. well, it's very easy, right? <laughs> to be a master of wine. It doesn't require a lot of studying. Let's get that out. Anyway, but I did it in 2015. I finished and uh, since 2011, I'm self-employed and it's, uh, I'm very happy with that. I have now two kids. That's why I'm looking a bit tired. Tired. I hope you don't. Well, it doesn't really show. I, 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 okay. I knew it, but uh, to be honest, uh, <laughs> you're looking good. So there is no, uh, there is nothing uh, to show for that. <laughs> but it's a busy so life. You're so charming. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, yeah, well, thank you. But it's a very busy life, I, I imagine, with kids and then uh, also all this work. And normally it's a lot of traveling as well, I guess. Or, uh, I mean, with Corona, it might be different now, but. Yes, actually, I, I used the Corona time perfectly because I just get a second baby. So yeah. our second baby is now one year old. And it was, uh, for me, actually quite good to, to come down a bit. But um, it starts again now in, in end of July. I will be in Russia for one week. And yeah. uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it starts. Life is coming back. And uh, I think we are all thirsty of yeah. meeting people. People want to catch up with all of this. Catch up and the real interaction and so on. Um, we really miss that all. And I hope that will come, um, come yeah. back come back very soon so yeah <laughs> but um at the moment how many i mean i don't think you keep count every day but how many masters of wine are there in the world okay I think somewhere I'm... around 400 something right 400 yes yeah, 400. Yeah, yeah. yes and in germany it's about 10 right yes mm -hmm. okay yes. that's easier to to remember because 10 in the whole germany is not a lot <laughs> yes that's right yeah. but actually we need more masters of wine it's uh, it's very good sometimes people say yeah now there's so many masters of wine but that's actually not true because first of all 10 for the whole germany is not that much. and uh one one of them is uh, having her own winery one of them is already retired the second one people have other stuff to do as well Yes, then, then another one is a, a Lufthansa pilot uh, flying the biggest <laughs> plane. So he doesn't so always have time to get out of the plane to do a wine-related uh, yeah. business? 
Yes, no. that's quite funny. But anyway, it's a great community, and I'm very proud and be part of that uh, world. It's it's nice. It's really. Yeah, nice. I can imagine that you also have some sort of well, a specialty. I wouldn't mean maybe not say it, but you have a preference for certain topics in the wine business because yes. I know you're known for biodynamics, for instance, if I'm right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, is it like that? So everybody has his own expertise or, well, interest at least? Absolutely, because it's almost impossible to keep the overview all the time. I mean, yeah. when you're studying and then you have to do the, um, the exams, you, you are totally into a, a very broad range of topics. Yeah. Even not, that you cannot keep up with it. I mean, I didn't know, when I wrote the exam, I didn't know anything about Romania. So now... Yeah. Romania last uh, December two week, two years ago and it was so, so amazing so and I was so almost embarrassed that as a master of wine yeah. I didn't know anything about Romania before about Fetiashka Negra and all these great varieties and yeah but you saw it in the book maybe okay but then for the rest this is the first time you had a live experience there right yeah Absolutely. Yeah. You read some books and the books are super old. It's also even when you read uh, books about Germany mm -hmm. um, and sometimes they, you know, they, they are so old and outdated, even yeah. for, especially for the climate dates, you know, there is still the dimension that the average climate at air temperature is 10, 10 degrees. But yeah, which is old, old, outdated stuff. That's something from the 50s. And Can you organize a masterclass about Romania? Somebody asked me now. <laughs> see, this is what you get. Now people uh, want you to, to talk about it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, it's crazy. Even in the eastern part of Europe, maybe it's something what I found always that we are always looking to the west, yeah. uh, to France, to Spain. And of course, these are fantastic wines. But I think in eastern uh, Europe, in Hungary, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Romania, Bulgaria, are so many enthusiastic wine growers yeah. they are doing stuff with very small budgets and so on i found it very impressive so isn't it also the case that uh, um, uh, technology gets uh, more affordable so uh, research gets more affordable if i compare for instance uh, maybe it's a bad comparison but correct me if i see it wrong the us uh, obviously america had a very different history when it comes to wine but uh, you see now there is money and they try to catch up all these hundreds of years that there are that there is knowledge in in, in europe for instance so they use like radar uh, satellite uh, stuff etc to find the right spots etc etc so it's because of technology, is it also easier to uh, maybe, well, get a good winery off the ground and, and, and produce good wines or is it nuts? I think it's 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 all about passion and yeah. uh, I, I think uh, there's a fantastic sentence from Madame Rothschild. She said, mm -hmm. uh, "Wine growing is not very difficult. Only the first two hundred years are difficult." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you start from zero, you have to catch up two hundred years. So this is for me totally small. Oh, I like that one. But I know that from, from Israel, I, I was very often in Israel too. So they have also this high technology and then they measured, okay, on this spot should be Chardonnay perfect. And then you taste the Chardonnay and it's totally boring. And then yeah. they plant it maybe 100 meters higher and then you get the really crazy stuff. And so I think- It can be a small difference with a huge impact. 
absolutely that's what I, and, and what I always like about wine is that uh, if you're a winemaker you only get so many tries in your life I mean uh, every year you have one vintage so if you're lucky you get to do 40 on your own yes. uh, and then you already have a quite a good resume I would say but um, um, a lot of time when I talk to family-owned wineries when you talk to the, the son or the daughter is going to take over they they stress this very much that it's uh, um, that they're really trying to capitalize on their on their parents and on my grandparents because if you add all these vintages you're yeah. you're getting somewhere but if you start from nothing yeah. how do you get it i mean that's yeah, it's absolutely it's trial and error and that makes it so fascinating so and it goes quick so like you said with the climate etc it's hard to 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 really uh well you can't even predict it to be honest i mean yeah, yeah if you, you looked at back 10 years ago and you look now i mean nobody would have expected probably that it would the impact would be that huge Yes, absolutely. No, but we can totally see that. So, yeah, uh, uh, uh. okay. Um, you have a wine already. Which one are you drinking today? Tell us. I have also a Riesling in my glass. Ah, I have good. a Riesling from the Rheingau. You have Wittmann. I have uh, the winery Tell, uh, Kaufmann. Sorry, the winery yeah. Kaufmann in the Rheingau. And it's the uh, Tell. So, the owner is um, a, he's the most, the, the most Swiss person I ever knew. It's like Wilhelm Tell. <laughs> <laughs> because he's really, he's, he was a former cheesemaker, Appenzeller, and he speaks like that. I know, Mark have Appenzeller gemacht and so. It's <laughs> very funny. And he's married to a very good friend of mine, um, Eva Raps. She was a former, um, yeah, responsible for the VDP in Germany. Mm -hmm. And she organized all these events. And so he was a very long time for the VDP. And I know Eva since ages. And it was really funny because uh, the both of us were always singles for ages. And then... Uh -huh. And then uh, Urban Kaufmann was calling at the VDP and said, you know, I want to buy a winery in Germany. I want to make wine. And she said, Give us some advice. Well, which should I buy? Which one? Yes. I said, and she said, I, I know one. Uh, do you need a wife as well? <laughs> <laughs> it goes with a wife. So if you buy the winery, you need to take me. <laughs> yes. but I, I'm the broker. Not... I'm the broker. So you, I broker myself in the, in the deal. <laughs> But this is this is the story, and that oh, is a nice story. Funny, this a, they're a nice couple. They're making great wines, and this is the tell. It's a it's a blend of uh, Premier Cru um, vineyards. Yeah, and it's 2019. Um, it's it's very delicious to drink. So interesting. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up after the show because uh, I know quite some, but it's impossible to 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 really. I mean, there's so many wineries in Germany. That's uh, that's crazy. Um, but uh, Riesling, so you have a, um, it's a, I would say regular dry Riesling which you're drinking or? It's a dry Riesling, but yeah, yeah it has some five grams with a little sugar. Okay. And um, no, I wanted to have also some Silvana. Um, but Because uh, we don't all only want to talk about Riesling, right? That's too easy. Yes, and uh, I'm a big Silvana supporter as well, but uh, my cellar is empty of Silvana, so... <laughs> How is it possible? I mean, you're a master of mine. I imagine truckloads coming in every day, right? Or not? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, yes. But uh, anyway, but, um, no Silvana, so... Uh, my oh, no, today we have to talk about it, not drink it then. Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll we will manage. Um, <laughs> like I said, so you're drinking the Tell. I'm drinking uh, the Wittmann. Uh, two very different stories, but also, I mean, 
those nice stories. But um, if we want to go and let's, uh, we discussed it a little bit, let's go uh, on a high level through Germany because it's, mm -hmm. there's so much to talk about and we have an hour today, so we cannot really go into depth. But if people have a question, I encourage them to ask them and then we can, uh, you see more Silvana fans in the, in the chat. <laughs> so yeah. then, we have, um, then we can address, uh, we can address the questions, but um, uh, we, we can pick some regions to start with. So you want to start with Rheingau then because, well, you have, a wine from there so tell us a little bit about that uh, yes absolutely maybe yeah Rheingau is uh, maybe not the the most uh, dynamic region in Germany mm -hmm. at the moment I, I would see maybe other regions um, first when it comes to to dynamic uh, things yeah. but there also things are happening um, you know absolutely outstanding wine growers are working there like Peter Bernhard Kühn or something or Kovas Kauta also here coming you know for Ranga was for a very long time always the big shots like Johannesburg Vorrats and so on. You know what I mean. <laughs> like the, the old the, the old big houses the big wineries the castles even like you said so yes, yes. Yeah, the money. Yes, and then I've, it was all, they're making up absolutely great wines. But when you say, you know, what is really the, the modern style and with more yeah. edges and, uh, and so on. And uh, yeah, uh, things are going on now with um, Eva Fricke, Kovas Kauter, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, Peter Bernakühn is one for me is one of the most. Uh, I, love, I love him. I, yeah. was, I was there in the summer and uh, w what I like most about it is that there is such a nice uh, family. I mean, this is really... Uh, yeah, even even if you look at their Instagram, they have uh, the goats going through the vineyards and stuff like that. It's yeah, they're really. I mean, they try stuff, but they're really down to earth. They are absolutely down to earth. Maybe they're not the, the, the loudest uh, wine people in Germany, so they're not these people. So yeah, come yeah. on, fuck and drink and uh, so they're more uh, silent. And when you when you learn to, when you learn to know them, they're more restrained in the beginning. Yeah. So you you need to come more often and talk to them and so on. But then it's uh, I totally agree. I yeah. they're. Yeah, fantastic and making. But you also said Eva Frick is a nice example. I mean, yeah. she comes from Bremen, right? So Bremen is yeah. not known for the wine, no? <laughs> known for the beer, maybe. Absolutely. For me, also, very interesting region is the Aar Valley. Yeah. Um, maybe this is also a personal thing because I'm doing. Yeah. I'm touching for a big wine guide the Aar Valley now since five or six years mm -hmm. and what I found very stunning is that it is just a very small valley and, and I think 600 hectares or something but uh, the average quality of the Pinot Noir over there is absolutely outstanding and of course everyone knows the big shots like Maya Nekel and Stodden and, and so on and oh, they are absolutely fantastic my most favorite Pinot Noir in Germany is from Ardenoia de Gerkammer, yeah. the old Kastenholz clone. This is one of my favorites. But you see also great uh, small young growers like Jan Riske or um, Seermann, uh, Julia Bertram, they're making a very special uh, Pinot style, um, very reductive mm -hmm. and more like an infusion. So, so it is uh, very edgy. But anyway, it's it's a question of style or Maybach farm as a, one of the organic growers there. I found that also very interesting what 
they are doing um, in the Aar Valley. So I think it's also quite uh, interesting uh, wine growing region. Is it um, uh, when we talk about uh, Germany in general and the wine uh, wine country as Germany as a wine country? Some regions are really old in terms of the wine. Some are well lesser old. But for example, if you take the Mosel, it's a story about very small parcels and vineyards being cut up over the time with uh, people um, inheriting inheriting parts and it had become smaller and smaller so it was really mm -hmm. fragmented and uh, is it if you compare for example in that aspect Mosul to Aar uh, as you were talking about is it different uh, is it easier also for somebody that's not from the region that is a winemaker to start there and and, and do so and make some wine business because there's still some old a lot of old business in Mosul for instance but not in uh, yeah, like is, I, I love the Mosul and also here you see so many young growers doing stuff. Yeah. I, I was tasting the winery Lehnhardt in Mülheim. It's mm -hmm. just close to Trier. No one knows that, but yeah. so enthusiastic people or Alexander Lörsch in Trittenheim um, doing the refurbishing of really steep slopes. And if you if you ever been there and you see how, what crazy work that is or why yeah. would Axel Pauli, for example. So um, this is really stunning. And I think if you want to grow a business, it's maybe easier to get a foot in the door in the Mosul region yeah. to buy some vineyards. Pfalz or something is very expensive. The Aar Valley is yeah. very expensive. And it's very, yeah, I don't, I don't think that you get... Uh, vineyards there so easy. No, 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 especially if you're starting and unless you're backed by uh, some venture capital uh, list or a bank. Yes. Different, <laughs> but don't be, that's, not, no, that's normal, that's not normal. Uh, in, your, in your garden, you know, like yeah. a Russian oligarch. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, yeah, but you're saying that, but I mean, it's happening, right? I mean, there's a lot of, risk, for example, Russians, wealthy people that are buying in Italy, for instance. I, I know that there are quite some buying of vineyards there. Yeah, it's so much money around also. I talked today with someone from Alto Adige and he also yeah. said we are such a beautiful region and we have so many people that have them, they're buying a, a farm as a second uh, area to, to live, but they don't, they live maybe in Munich or they live yeah. somewhere else and then they take away the ground and they, uh, yeah, everything from the from the people from the region yeah. for them it's very difficult to to yeah to get more ground to to grow and so on so yeah there's some yeah like everywhere it's it's everywhere the same yeah. but there's i think in every wine growing region if i think it's, it's uh it's a dynamic there when you go especially also to eastern germany i found that yeah interesting because it's very super cool climate when they when it was the reunion of germany that then uh, the western growers always said oh those growers in the east in siberia <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not even wine growing it's something very different nothing to yeah. do with wine <laughs> and they always had the problem that they have so many different grape varieties because during the communist era you couldn't ring at the nursery and say oh i would like to buy t uh, two thousand vines of Weißburgunder, so and then you had to, you know, get some Müller Turga or whatever. Whatever you could get your hands on, you just yeah. accepted because that's yeah. That's how it was, and now you just you, you can see in Saale Unstrut or so that you have mm -hmm. some Pinot Blanc and this is fantastic, um, and also here young growers and they want to do something and. Um, 
I found that also very stunning. So there's a lot of overall in Germany, there's a lot of people entering the wine business. And, mm -hmm. and that's not just with, with money, as we said, but it's really also passionate mm -hmm. people that come from Geisenheim that say, okay, maybe mm -hmm. even from, from uh, uh, I can imagine it's from coming from a family winery. And mm -hmm. if you're, for example, with two or with three, you, how are you going to do it? It used to be they cut it up, but now maybe one of them says, oh, I'm going to try my own stuff and yeah. I'm just going to go somewhere else and yeah, yeah. do it my way. Yeah, absolutely. And then one of my favorite regions is, the, of course, Franken, because I'm yeah. from Bavaria mm -hmm. and uh, Franconia is very close by. And um, I'm a big Silvana fan. Yeah. And I, what I found very interesting is, um, you know, we have this, this, uh, yeah, this star grape varieties like Riesling or Pinot Noir or Chardonnay, and they mm -hmm. are so... Uh, fantastic and always shining and there are some grape varieties like Silvana but I will also have examples from other countries they were always overwhelmed by this super industrial recipes you know there was always this kind yeah. of textbook Geisenheim winemaking for yeah. Silvana so you always get the same it's like McDonald's you go there and you know what the big bag tastes you get the yeah. same one everywhere it's everywhere, wherever you go. And also in, in Franken, you see more and more growers uh, converting to organic um, and, and, and doing a different approach in the wine cellar. And all of a sudden, the true character of Silvana is shining and it's fantastic. It's perfect for modern cuisine, uh, for, for food pairing. It's, it's not uh, the wine that, that jumps out of the glass and no. yeah you but um, well, it's a great wine for pairing and gastronomical uh, use absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's and and i think that's interesting and then and, and i don't see that only in um for silvana but i i tasted uh, recently a viura and yeah. you know viura from spain when you taste yeah. it so I, oh, I said oh fuck i have to taste now a viura now i want to know <laughs> because how can you do this <laughs> But then it was from the Roussillon and um, it was absolutely, and all of a sudden you can really taste, wow, Viura keeps its freshness over the long distance. Yeah. It's so pristine and, and, and has a bite and so on, really salty character. And this is uh, very stunning to, to see that. Oh, it's funny because, um, I mean, um, you know a lot more about that than I do. But what I, for example, when I was in the, uh, in the summer, I visited six regions in Germany. So I did a couple of trips back and forth from Holland. It's, uh, it's very easy. Huh? So you can go there and in two hours, I'm, uh, two and a half hours, I'm in the Mosul. And if you go to uh, Frankfurt, that's five hours. So easy. Um, but what I found out is that when we talk about uh, Chardonnay, for instance, but also Pinot Noir, that um, about uh, 50 years ago or 60, 70 years ago, some um, uh, very uh, well-known wineries already started planting that so there are now some uh, big names for instance uh, if we uh, I have um, a good Rappenhoff I don't know if you know them but I had them in the show they have Chardonnay grapes and they're in Rheinhessen in Alzheim they have Chardonnay grapes that their grandfather already planted and back mm -hmm. at that point everybody was like why are you doing that but now the beauty of it is that they have like 50 year old Chardonnay uh, mm -hmm. vines in Germany and mm -hmm. if you can try and taste that, I mean, I was really surprised to see, of course, uh, vines, it takes time for them to really 
get their full potential so it's a little bit with a uh, with a crystal ball but uh, not a lot of people know this but uh, these these are also some great examples of people that tried 50 years ago already mm-hmm. and they were sort of pioneers or maybe they did it for fun whatever was the reason but now you can really find uh, the pureness in that and, and find really uh, nice old uh, old finds and old wine. Old fine. I think there's as many things are going on uh, in, in Germany. Also, when you think about sparkling wine, for yeah. me, uh, a great um, yeah development over the last uh, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Since also Riesling is a great variety, very suited for sparkling wine production because you have at the early picking date already a very good ratio between tartaric and malic acidity and not every grape yeah. variety has it. And um, it's that so as growers like uh, Griesel in the Hessische Bergstraße, there's mm-hmm. a young guy making some sparkling there, or Schloss Wo, for example, they brought the, or Mr. Kaufmann from Boulanger. Yeah, who was uh, with Christmann. And now it was Christmann. Yeah. They brought the know-how because uh, the problem for sparkling wine, I mean, we have a long history for sparkling yeah. wine. We have Zex, yeah, we are the biggest consumer for sparkling wines in the world. But the problem in the past was always that, um, first of all, in education, in the wine schools, there was not real good education how to make sparkling wine. And when it was a bit like, okay, there's a first and second fermentation, good night yeah. and good luck. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so not really. Something. There's not more you need to know. This is it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, simple. And if you and next also, topic. Also, that you have when you they they made sparkling wine of out of really crappy wines. You know when they have a shitty mm-hmm. barrel in the cellar. Okay, that's they used it. They, they didn't want to use it for the normal wine, so they just made sparkling out of it. Absolutely, and someone drank it with orange juice. You know, <laughs> the old ladies. Yeah. Well, you in the morning, maybe if you have a hangover, it works. I don't know. <laughs> but now it's very different, right? Yes, yes, yeah, but that that's absolutely different now. So and if, you, if, if you look at what Zektas uh, Raumland, Raumland, what they're doing, yeah. and also for others, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, uh, if if you're not into the topic, I mean, a lot of people are watching this, and they're uh, from different countries, but for instance, also from Holland, uh, mm-hmm. people don't. I don't think in Germany it's maybe not even uh, that known what's happening already in this, but it's growing. But outside of Germany, I really agree with you. A lot of people don't have a clue. Yeah. What's, what's what's happening already there at the moment yes it's, and it's, it's really interesting yeah it's uh, Imich uh, Anker okay three years bottle fermented Riesling sack from Imich Anker okay I don't know that so good I get all the new tips <laughs> <You're never laughs> <finished with laughs> well uh, it's hard to, get, to keep up with all these different ones but yeah just great examples yes so the sect is really a topic to uh, to watch I agree yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think also in the Netherlands are so many uh, German wines available now. It's it's it, the German yeah. part has grown in the last years. I, I heard. Yeah, I but uh, but what I also think is that there is still a lot of education to do because there was a lot of focus also in Holland on promoting German wines, but it was always uh, very much about Riesling, which is mm-hmm. on one end understandable, on the other end there is like you said so much more. If we only talk about Spätburgunder and and mm-hmm. then we didn't talk about wines burgunder and etc etc but yeah. there was no there is at the moment still not that much attention for it so riesling you can find huge amounts of riesling different ones mm-hmm. and all price levels but if we talk about other ones uh, it's it's still not that um and i know also the um so you're working for uh help me the deutsches wine institute right or not yes yeah, so um, I, they're doing some promotion right now with online uh, webinars for regions right 
Mm-hmm. So what I like about that is that they really also emphasize on the other grapes and wines and it needs yeah. to be done more because uh, yeah I mean uh, it's nice uh, first of all you want to work on the image of the Riesling because it's still mm-hmm. not ideal in other countries than Germany but then you should not only focus on that because then you're losing uh, the other opportunities you have to work yeah. on multiple fronts not just on, on, on that I guess. Absolutely. I think this is a bit the challenge, but um, I mean, Riesling and Pinot Noir in Germany, I think it's now totally accepted that of, with, when it comes in the world of Riesling, Germany makes most probably the best Riesling yeah. in the world. And also when it comes to Pinot Noir, I think we don't have you to have a firm a position tie now. when it comes to quality. But the, the thing is that both grape varieties are maybe not the most crowd-pleasing ones. So um, we are, we love um, Pinot Noir and we love Riesling, about, but not everyone loves a lot of, Also, a lot of people don't like the grapes even. Yes. A Pinot Noir, for example, is a very special taste profile. And if you have maybe not the most engaged wine co- consumer, when they want to drink red wine, it has to be dark and... and yeah blousy and whatever i mean look what is very uh, prominent also in germany but what you sell like crazy is primitivo with yeah. people they're saying oh i drink dry wines and then they drink primitivo <laughs> or something. so you open up the fruit bomb <laughs> yeah that's absolutely true but yeah. i think there's another trend coming up in germany which is blends yeah. Red blends, I found it very interesting because we have also great varieties, of course, Blaufränkisch, Lemberger in, in Württemberg, but also St. Laurent. Um, if, if you have very old vines of Portuguese, yeah. and even if you have, for example, fungus-resistant grape varieties, um, then they have these strange, strange names like Monarch or Cabernet, whatever. And, and it's very hard to sell them when you write the name of the grape variety on the label. Yeah. You put it in a blend i think this is fantastic because then you can have a, a very good red wine even dornfelder can be nice um when it's well, not people are reading your minds even though yes, Dornfelder, yeah. yes. Yeah. It, if it if it's not overcropped and and not uh, uh being like a, a caricature of of a wine and in a blend then you can offer maybe a wine for say retail 10 euros and that's yeah. That's uh, that's fantastic to get also a broader audience and yeah it's a it's a as a, a gateway more or less than to go yeah. into other varieties there uh, absolutely uh, and also Pinot Blanc or Sauvignon Blanc is maybe uh, very uh, popular and also when it comes to Sauvignon Blanc we see of course this kind of exchangeable Sauvignon Blanc styles and so on but we have some outstanding terroirs for Sauvignon Blanc especially in Württemberg. So yep. Württemberg is totally under the radar. I mean, Württemberg is known for Bosch, Mercedes-Benz. And yeah. <laughs> maybe not, not, not particularly wine, wine no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Sauvignon Blanc on this uh, gypsum soils, uh, which is very high in, uh, there's a special sulfur compound in this gypsum soils, which enforces this uh, production of fields. And these are, uh, you know, you're bringing the greenish character on the palette and you have this mineral character. So I love those Sauvignon Blancs from Württemberg because normally very often Sauvignon Blanc has a big head. You have a lot of aromas. And then a very skinny, thin body. And yeah. 
I found those kind of Sauvignon Blancs disgusting. It's I don't want to drink. Oh, it, it's funny though. Well, we we touched it at the beginning. It's uh, today is Sauvignon Blanc day, and uh, well, uh, a lot of people when they start learning about wine and drinking wine, obviously, um, a lot of people are first encounter the French uh, Sauvignon Blanc. But then when you try around, and uh, I, a couple of weeks ago I had wine um, good pulse. I was Suisteiermark. Uh, and if you if you try this and you put it next to a French one and then you take a New Zealand one and a South African one, I mean, there's the, the, the nice thing about it is that it grows in a cool climate and it grows in a warm climate. So you can yeah. get very different expressions on that. Even in Germany, there's some great examples, as you said, that's not uh, uncommon. Yeah. Yeah, but what I found, you know, when you have in Pfalz, I also Sauvignon Blanc, and if you get in a blind tasting, you think, okay, it's a Sauvignon Blanc, but I can't spot where it comes yeah. from. When it comes from Württemberg, um, uh, for example, Trauz Able is very famous for Sauvignon Blanc, or the, the winery Aldinger or so, and, and then when uh, Schneidmann makes also a fantastic Sauvignon Blanc, then it's, it's amazing how, how complex they are. Also, the wines are already now um, old. They were planted yeah. in the middle of the 80s. So you get here also more complexity as well, and the growers... I think the German wine growers just know how to make wine now. I mean, yeah. it's really funny because I'm in the wine business since a while. So I did my, my apprenticeship yeah. in the year 99, 1900. But so much change in those, in, in those years after that. Yes, so absolutely. And I was working in 2003, I was working in a restaurant with 1000 positions only German wines. Yeah. And when you tasted, for example, then at that time, uh, Pinot Noir or red wine from Germany, and that was the time when the Barrick barrel came to Germany, yeah. and everybody said, yeah, now we have the Barrick barrels, and we have to use it a lot. And so, and it was almost like biting in the in the table and not yeah. <laughs> So like, oh, where's the wine? I don't taste the wine. I don't taste the wood. <laughs> <laughs> you don't find those examples. No. Was really refined now. But it's, you know, the top wines are just not like that anymore. It's amazing, the quality. Yeah. So uh, when, we, when we talk about, uh, I want to pick out one other region, uh, Rheinhesse. Uh, yeah. What happened in the well, last 10 to 20 years there? Because now we talk, it's a little bit uh, in, the, in the time that you went into the wine business more so the parallel might be also yeah. nice to see what happened there can you tell us a little bit about the change because Rhein has there was already for a long time a lot of wines were made there a lot of volume production right yeah absolutely it was at a time when i was starting being a sommelier that um so you know message in a bottle and yeah. young people when Witz, when witzmann was still a young guy yeah. <laughs> I was still young and so on. And it was the, the, the time where Ron Hessen also on the Provine and at, and at the Provine fair was always, you know, German wine, very sophisticated. And you came to the Ron Hessen booth and there was party and music <laughs> and so on. They needed of to course. compensate with party. <laughs> And all this fantastic young crunchy man. So everyone was there, of course. And um, what I see, of course, it's a very, yeah, Rheinhessen is so um, a huge diversity. And, and um, you have, uh, yeah, it's, it's so many stunning wines there. I mean, you have, of course, what I also found that um, really outstanding terroir is coming yeah. back. Well, I'm a big fan of the wines from Nierstein and Nackenheim, yeah. so on the Red Slope Hill. Yeah. I mean, that's really terroir. I mean, sometimes when you come to a winery and they always everybody's talking about terroir, and then you look at them, their vineyard, and, and you're like, hmm, I don't catch it. <laughs> I don't catch 
I don't really, but I don't, sorry. I, I, no, you don't. No, I you totally say respect that. everything and so on. Yeah. But when you come to the Red Slope Hill, and you, you, can't, see, you, you can't deny that. This is amazing. You know, the River Rhine and this red soil and so on. There are so amazing wines and um yeah you have and somebody's pointing out that. something about organic biodynamic well i think this is mm -hmm. one reason where you really see that a lot of winemakers are putting that into practice from yeah, let's say uh in the last uh, in the last three years yes. so uh, Wittmann, for instance i know that they've been for i don't know for, forever i think working organic. with biodynamics right and organics uh, organic since the 90s and they're yeah. doing biodynamics maybe since 2010 or so now in the respect group when it wasn't even a thing right i mean then back in the yeah. days i don't think even people called it like that right it was yes. just their the way of thinking and working yeah i think it, there, we see a big change also in the biodynamic movement um you know when i was going for the master of wine i wanted to write my research paper on, yeah. on biodynamics and it was not accepted oh why not so, it was in 2012. That's why I needed. Well, you were too early for you. You were your time ahead. You were too I, early. Maybe I don't know. Um, it was in 2012. Otherwise, I would have been finished in 2013, and now I was finished in 2015. It took. Yeah, to pick a different topic. Yes, I took down the Silvana, which is amazing too. But this I they was, accepted. They accepted, and I, I was so stubborn. I said, "No, I want to go to my." I'm still gonna write it, regardlessly. Yes, I'm just I gonna write it and publish it. it for just, just know, to make it. me show that I can do it and that you can read it. It was a big fight and mm -hmm. uh, and so on and, and at that time, you know, I, I did what I found it interesting. I, I did a trip through biodynamic growing wineries and I still have the uh, interviews on tape. Yeah, and I, I heard it recently, <laughs> and this is so crazy what happened in the last ten years and. Um, when you look at the biodynamic wine scenes, let's say 10 years ago, it was more smaller and they were maybe more like a, a group, like a bubble. Yeah. And, um, and now there's uh, so many people coming to the biodynamic wine scene that are uh, not only interested in anthroposophy, but also knowing ve are very good agronomists. Yeah. And they, they're bringing all these things together and this brings a big push into the biodynamic wine scene. And that's, that's absolutely amazing. Also, we see more research going on. And I think also the subject of climate change and all the problems that we see um, and makes the people sensitive to yeah. say, okay, you know, maybe biodynamics is not scientific, but uh, the truth is on the field. And when yeah. you look at the fields, then you have to say that biodynamics, even if it's esoteric and some things are look you look very crazy mm -hmm. they are more closer to the truth in the fields than that part of yeah. agroscience that path paved the way for the industrialization of agriculture and maybe we got drifted away too far to to see the uh, the close how close it is to reality yes absolutely and, and now also research coming out that the preparations they they are working and there is some impact and so on yeah. and um, there are several other reasons why people have found it interesting to dive into biodynamics. For me, biodynamics is not the only answer to the problem no. that we have in agriculture. There are so we have to have an open mind. We have to look at different things. But what I found very appealing on biodynamics is that they have hundred years of experience mm -hmm. with organic methods, and it's worthwhile to look at that. And uh, by the way, they have an international. Um, 
perspective biodynamics, biodynamics is international. We, um, I'm frequently on this uh, summit uh, in Dornach in, in yeah. Bar, the neighborhood of Basel, where the agricultural summit of Demeter is every year. And you, this is so fantastic. So you meet people from India, from Morocco, from everywhere. We are, they are working. It's a universal thing in the end. It's a universal thing. And they have yeah. experienced since 100 years. And my thing is, come on, let's look at that. What is good? Not everyone has to be friend of Rudolf Steiner, and, no. and it's a very personal thing. Also for the biodynamic growers itself, I, I meet people that are totally into anthroposophy, and they also know everything about, for example, pedagogic, the Waldorf pedagogic, and uh, medicine, and so on. And they they can uh, do a lot of stuff. Can can they know all the the writings from Rudolf Steiner? And, and some people uh, never read Rudolf Steiner. And yeah. they, if you look at the vineyards and how they work, you say, wow, this is what Rudolf Steiner said one to one. But they, ne they, ne they never really looked into it. It's just their thinking. Yes. And then I think that's also the, the group of people when, when winemakers coming together and help them and, and there's this exchange and so on. And this brings a fantastic uh, dynamic into it. So I've, I, I'm really happy to be in this wine scene of biodynamic growers. I feel very comfortable with no, that. And that's like you said, it's a, it's a universal thing. So it doesn't matter who you're talking to or where they are located. I mean, we yeah. all have that same challenge, those same challenges. It's uh, mm -hmm. uh, maybe uh, for some reasons, one thing is more important than the others, but it's all there. And it's uh, in the end, it's a uh, well, natural, yeah. uh, natural thing. Yeah. So yeah. uh, about um, if you're um, uh, if somebody was new to German wine, so let's uh, say uh, I've never drank any German wine before, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm just discovering my way into wine. What would you uh, recommend me to start with? Because it would be very easy to go and buy a bottle of Riesling, but then there's hundred thousand different Riesling. So I don't know anything. How can you introduce me? What What would your take be to introduce me into German wine? Oh, oh my God! This is this is a very. It's a personal question. thing as well. <laughs> You're probably yeah. gonna give me a Silvaner to try, but I don't know. Yes, I, maybe. I would, I, in my opinion, I would give you maybe then a Silvaner to try, and um, yeah, yeah. But Riesling is Riesling is the answer. Yeah, you have to you have to try Riesling if you want to come to German wines. Maybe some Riesling from the Pfalz. Yeah. Um, which has this meat on the bones and it's very hedonistic and uh, but still very classy. Um, maybe I would start with a Riesling from the Pfalz. Very, yeah, very good one. What, what, I, what I think would be nice if you shock somebody and you just say, okay, I'm gonna invite you over for dinner, we're gonna have a juicy steak, and then they think, oh, we're gonna have a nice red wine to go with it. And you give them a good uh, dry Riesling to go with that because that's a very opposite thing, but it works very well because the acidity and the raisin uh, uh, sharpness works very well with, uh, with red meat as well. So these are, these are combinations that people don't really think about, but it's, it's like sometimes you really have to be bold to, to get out of an image because we talked, I said, we talked about Riesling and how people perceive it, but a lot of people, there is a Riesling for everyone, right? I mean, yes. not everybody knows this, but they think, okay, it's only sweet wine or only dry wine, but yeah. I think what Riesling, Riesling has a great advantage because it shows its quality, its quality at very different price levels. Mm -hmm. 
So even if you pick maybe a Riesling for, let's say, five, six euros, and then you still have, it's a good You still have a fun time with it. Yeah, you have a fun time with it. And you don't have to spend 14,000 euros for a Trockenbeeren from Egon Müller to get uh, the secret of Riesling unfold. So that's that's an advantage for Riesling yeah. for sure. Yeah. And yeah. but of course, um, a short, someone in the as uh, I read always a bit it's a bit confusing with the comments as someone wrote Scheurede. Yeah. I think that's also a good idea, especially if you have young. Uh, wine drinkers or not so engaged wine drinkers and then you get uh, the perfume and the intense flavors and the freshness and I think it's very appealing and someone wrote I would write uh, a, re a sect yeah of course a good sect is yeah. always, a good, it's always a good opener for any meal as well so why yeah. not as, a, as an entree <laughs> for wine there for wine education yeah yes yes um, but about Riesling if, if we stay on that topic for a second what do you think about Rieslings that are not coming from Germany? Because we already said, well, in, in the end, there is a benchmark. Germany is sort of a benchmark. The Riesling in Germany is a benchmark. But but we have to say there is more and more Riesling coming up from other parts, uh, mm -hmm. US, but also even countries like Australia, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you see this development? Because it, it, it looks to me that... Uh, uh, people are trying to build up on the success that's coming up for dry Riesling uh, in other countries. Yes, I, I, I'm, a, I'm personally a super big fan of Elsa's. Yeah. And uh, for me, what I totally love on Elsa's is they have the same grape varieties as we have in Germany, yeah. but they have a, t a different culture. And when you compare that in Germany, the Rieslings are sometimes very monolithic. Mm -hmm. They have to stand on her on their own. Yeah. They have to shine on their own. And and when you taste the Elsa's Riesling, you feel that the wine grower thought, Oh, what can I eat with it? Yeah. They, they it's are in more, their heads when they make the wine. I, I, I if this is a, for me a totally different culture um of, of winemaking of um, and of course of Riesling, but also when it comes to Pinot Gris, or I'm a big fan of Gewurztramina. For me, my favorite is Mathieu Bursch, Leon Bursch uh, from the Zinköpfle. This yeah. is the best Gewurztramina for me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there's another story. And um, I'm a big fan of Elsa's. I'm also a big fan of, of Austrian uh, Riesling from the Wachau. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Steinriesler from uh, from Nikolai Hof, which very long lease aging and so on. Uh, when it comes to the new world, I have to say I am not so up to date anymore. No. I was, I think, six or seven years ago at the Riesling Summit in uh, Canberra in Australia for Chachi. Yeah. And uh, this was very hard because we had 500 Rieslings from Australia with a pH of 2.9 acidity. You get overloads. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, 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 it sounds a bit disgusting, but I couldn't brush my teeth no. for, for, for five days. I had yeah. no teeth anymore in my mouth. I found it. And, and it was not so diverse. So um, I would like to taste as, that again. I think also here things have changed. We're talking always about Claire Valley Riesling and so on, but I think in Tasmania are fantastic Riesling growers yeah. and so on. So I'm actually not so up to date when it comes to the new world. I still and have uh, US, picture. so Finger Lakes uh, is, is being mentioned a lot. I don't know if you, uh, I mean, but that's also purely based on, um, in the end, they're all, uh, some, some of those wineries there, um, they already brought Rieslings decades ago there, so they now have some really decent vineyards there 
it appears. I've never tasted them, but it's just yeah, it's something that I keep hearing all the time. I think it's difficult to get it. And um, I don't know in Germany any shop where yeah. I can buy Riesling the from the Finger Lakes. And of I was in British uh, Columbia, yeah. uh, Canada. I also taste some good Rieslings over there. But yeah, I think um, it's... In the end, we still have to be lucky if you're... We, I say we, when you're in Europe, like most of the people are also watching, we have to be very lucky that we can get already so many different things. I mean, sometimes yeah. I feel a little bit... Uh, well, um, I, I, I don't like it that I can't easily buy US wines. On the other hand, I'm thinking, okay, I can buy Italian wines very easily, Spanish, French, German. So mm -hmm. what am I complaining? I mean, this... Mm -hmm. People do. Uh, people would kill somebody for in Brazil, for instance, to get good European wines. They're so expensive there. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, we have a nice comment from Australian Riesling from Par Paringa Estate. Okay, now, thank you very much for this recommendation. I will watch out Australian because I, I, I talk about it. I say, yeah, I have to taste uh, Australian Riesling again. It's been so while. Yeah. yeah, but it does, I can imagine, I mean, uh, you already have a lot of knowledge and background, but you, every day you see probably things where you think, ah, this is something I need to catch up on, or this is something I want to try, or this is, yeah. this is a never-ending story. It's never-ending, but it's also great. I mean, it's uh, it's so fantastic. You never stop learning. It's like, uh, it's like collecting stamps. You never are finished. I mean, there's yes. always... Uh, Nobody has a complete collection for that as well in the world. Yes, absolutely. It keeps you also humble. I mean, if you, if you are a true wine lover, you, be, you are always humble because yeah. uh, that's uh, also when it comes to blind tastings or something, I, I, that's what I also learned in the Master of Wine. And mm -hmm. then you, you, you say, oh my, I'm so sure this is a Chablis. I'm so sure the 100% is a Chablis Premier Cru and so on. And then... Yeah, it was a well, if they want, if they want, they can Different twist weapons. your head all the time. I mean, it's very easy to do it if you want to, right? With the winemaking techniques, etc. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's. I right. mean, that should never be the goal, but sometimes people just want to play tricks with you. I guess, especially maybe when you're master of wine, because they're like, "Oh, let's try to see if she gets yes. it right, right?" You know, because my, my, my husband is architect and so on, yeah. and sometimes we're on these dinner parties and so on, and I never say that I, I'm in the wine business. No. Because and I have, no, and then I have this crazy old person on my ear who <laughs> talks about Beaujolais in his wine cellar and wants to get my expertise and if he could, uh, you know, auction it at, at Sotheby's and then, he, you know, uh, oh, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> so you try to stay that. very low, but at some point you get enough of it, I imagine. I mean, then you'll have to jump in and say, okay, hmm, maybe I want to chime in on the topic of wine because I do have a little bit of experience. Not a lot, but... <laughs> yeah, I heard about it. But it's also funny when you, when we go to uh, to a restaurant, my, my husband has absolutely no idea about wine. Yeah. So when I met him, he drank Rioja from the Aldi. Can you imagine? Normally. <laughs> oh, so you did, you did some educating on him as well, probably. Oh, my God. But now he's, he's, he's totally into the business and he said, oh, honey, is it a bit productive? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, well, you should have asked, you should have asked me 10 or 20 years ago. <laughs> yes. You, you would never I, taste the difference. Absolutely. But when we're in the restaurant, he always gets the wine list. So, so you're like, hmm. It's really yeah. funny. So anyway, but it's just, you know, this old role models. But anyway, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. It's sort of funny in the end as well, yeah. because, I mean, you can look at it and laugh and just go like, hmm, you don't have a clue who I am. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you, but if you would have known, you would have never done this. No, I, I don't care, but it's really no. 
know. <laughs> Uh, so, is there a, um, I mean, this is also a question that, I mean, it's uh, impossible maybe to answer, but what are some of the wines? I, I'm not going to ask you for one, but I'm just going to ask you for some. Some that, that really left a memory for you, and it can be for a region, but it also can be a typical winery that you say, okay, this is something, well, yeah. it stays with me. Absolutely outstanding. So for me, it was uh, the 83 ice wine from Egon Müller. Yeah. When I was uh, working uh, in the restaurant in Berlin, we did the auction tasting uh, in this hotel where I'm working. Yeah. And I could take a sip of this ice wine, which was sold then for 14,000 whatever euros or something. And this was amazing because 83 was the vintage where the frost came in, in end of October. Yeah. So the grapes were totally healthy. There was no botrytis and then they were frozen. Perfect storm. The first time of my life I understood the magic of ice wine yeah. because it's like a bomb in your mouth. It's really like you, you like in a comic, you take a sip and another boom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> Whoa, what did you do with it? <laughs> How did you make this? Is you really say, oh, this is legal, but I, no, it's it's so intense and fruit, and and this is this is this was really at that point. At that point, it was a wine that was twenty or twenty-five years old, I guess, and then right or how old was it when then? Uh, must must have been must have been something like twenty twenty-five years or something. Twenty-five, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah I mean, oh, we can talk all night about Ego Müller, I guess, but uh, this is this. I mean, you've got ice wine, here, you've got ice wine, so I yeah. mean, uh, I, I do get what you say okay um this is, if you want to get to the summon of that some of that that's yeah. yes yeah that's most people don't even get the opportunity to, to taste something like that so that's yes when and what what you can always get me is with champagne yeah uh, and um also just yeah this we have here in munich a fantastic champagne shop uh, champagne characters from nicola neumann she is uh, uh, totally uh, specialized on these new kids on the block and yeah. champagne and it so comes on. with all, all kinds of new stuff all the time yeah absolutely and uh, this is so amazing and that's also my husband always complains so he always says oh honey it's so expensive to be married to you but <laughs> <laughs> but i like it <laughs> Oh. It's good that you also get some wine. You don't always have to buy all of it because if you would have buy all yeah. the wine, then yes, of yeah. course. It's, it's uh, well, uh, like I said, stamp collecting it never stops. So yes, but anyway, so it's it's nice to have a wine cellar and so on. But yeah, it's um, but also we have now two small kids and we built a house, so yeah. it is not endless. And uh, so when I have budget again, I would uh, I, I have exactly a plan what I want to buy for my wine cellar. But yeah, oh. so has... there is there is a wish list, and uh, you're also disciplined in the sense that you're not <laughs> going to uh, deviate from the plan. I mean, this is what due time it will come. Yes, due time will come. Absolutely. Uh, 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 <laughs> very good. So let's see. I don't know if there's anybody in the audience that has some questions, but if they have, they can uh, can drop them in. We had some in uh, in the meanwhile. Somebody's saying uh, from Montevideo, Uruguay. A Riesling, yeah, I mean, that one I also would not have picked, but yeah, this shows yeah. Mm -hmm. if you go to uh, to places, there's uh, there is something uh, Riesling everywhere uh, these days, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, what's what's going to be uh, your next? Uh, you already mentioned you were going to Russia in the summer, right? Yes, in the, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I will write a new book. Um, because I, I recently published a comprehensive book on biodynamics. Yeah. Uh, 
von der Freiheit, den richtigen Wein zu machen. We are portrait 12 top wine growers in the German-speaking countries. And I, I will make a, uh, the next project is a wine guide for biodynamic wine in the German-speaking countries, but without okay. points. I don't work with points. I think that's a bit outdated. Yeah. They 100 points. And, I, and it's subjective as well, huh? And, and it's also what I found on points very poor is that you dismiss the, the wines for the daily routine. You know, you, we don't want to drink every day 100 Parker Point wines. No, no, I mean, no. so it's, there is, um, I tasted today, I was uh, a small tasting with Pranzek, you know, Pranzek, he gave yeah. me a small yeah. bottle. And it's the Vino Rosso Leggero, is a Vernat with 11% alcohol. And uh, I said it, uh, oh my God, this is the South wine for uh, <laughs> wine lovers. <laughs> and it, it, it cost 13 euros. It's uh, fantastic. And so my That's idea crazy is that this can, yeah, this is also available. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And then I want to make a, a, a book uh, where also the reader, I want to make a comprehensive uh, tasting note um, because I think biodynamic wines, you have to describe it differently to, to you get more the texture, the textual yeah. sensation and not only the aromas, more the mouthfeel and how it's lingering and the persistence and how do you feel and what is the character of the wine. And also I want to leave some space for the reader to write his own notes. So, um, that yeah. in the so they did supplement it in their own words yes. and their own experiences, add their experiences into it. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. So we have some questions. Okay. Sorry, I, I didn't. I didn't ask you the question. The audience comes with the question. So, okay. Let's 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 do it, but let's be short about it. Romana, what's your opinion on the new wine law? I, to be honest, dear Mark Rovers, I like you a lot, and I'm. But I hate the the German wine law. This is also an answer. Eh? Absolutely. I think it's it's a bit, you know, with the rules from the wine law, it's, it's, it's for me, it, I compare it with the Corona rules, you know, yeah. every two weeks is something different. <laughs> now you can meet with 10 people in a room with 100 square meters. And Are you uh, make an appointment for next week and the rules change or do you have to cancel this appointment because it's not valid anymore? I don't, I, I, to be honest, I'm not the person to, to, to talk about it. I'm not, I, I hate, when I, when I read these things, I, I hate it. And it also it distracts from the wine because. Yeah, I agree. When you do, when you, when I do, uh, for example, education now in Russia, and then we're talking about the wine law and I have, or uh, talking about German wines. And then you have one hour and a half and you start to talk about the German wine law. Then you talk one hour about the wine law. And <laughs> you, ten minutes you have to do a symposium for, for lawyers. That, that it maybe is an interesting topic, but not for, uh, for wine lovers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Other question, maybe a, a very different one. So let's go, not go into law anymore. Curious about <laughs> volcanic soil in Germany. Yes, there are. And, there, and it's interesting volcanic soil always it's always yes. interesting for winemaking which yeah. region district is the most passionate uh, volcanic soil wine so what stands yeah. out for you on the volcanic uh, the kaiserstuhl yeah. absolutely the kaiserstuhl the western part on the eastern yeah. part is a lot of loess uh, and then it's the, the volcanic soil is covered by a big pile of loess but it's so for, uh, for the people that don't know kaiserstuhl is located near the mm -hmm. yeah in the south in but baden yeah, Baden. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. If so, you follow uh, the rules, 
Sascha, Holger, nice to, nice to meet you, Holger. You're absolutely right. But the, the Kaiserschule is in the Baden region. It's a bit, um, it's in the in the Rhine uh, uh, Valley, and it's between the Black Forest and yeah, Black um, Forest is sheltering the yeah. yeah. And on the other side, you have the Vosges from the Alsace and so on. It's very, it's it's the warmest area in Germany. Um, and Nahe has also volcanic soils. Absolutely, Nahe has so many different soil types. Um, as well. Absolutely. And isn't, isn't Pechstein, uh, it's basalt, right? Yes. Black uh, basalt. It's the famous vineyard, obviously, but this is this one, if you dare go there, forced one vineyard that's iconic with the, mm -hmm. the, the very typical expression of the soil, the basalt, that's Pechstein is a... Yeah, but then you have to go to Odinstal because the basalt and the Pechstein was brought in by a man to, to that place. And Odinstal... So it's, it's not, it's, it's like created there. It's created terroir, yes, and and in the in the Odinstal they have they are up in the mountains, and they have the, the real um, volcanic. This is uh, the volcanic. original origin of the of the the basalt. Yeah, yeah. the basalt. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. You said Holger. Right? If you follow the rules, it's hard to live. Yes. yes yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, anybody else who wants to answer a question or wants to ask a question because uh, this is your chance. Uh, Romara also has uh, children to attend to. I don't know, they're sleeping? Well, one is small. No, so. My husband is bringing them to bed. They, ah, they okay. Now, Räuber Hotzenplotz. I don't know if you, this, you don't know it. <laughs> no, I don't know, but it sounds, it sounds nice. <laughs> it sounds nice, yeah. We always, and and my, my, my boy is becoming today three years, so we had... Today? Uh, Big birthday party today. Congratulations. He was running around with a crown, so the whole day. And you're still doing the life. Now I feel really honored. I mean, I already, I already was honored, but congratulations, because that's, uh, <laughs> that's really uh, nice, always on the birthdays with, uh, with the kids. What about Southern Germany? Well, we talked, a little, we, we talked about that as well, but maybe something, last remark you want to say about Southern Germany? We already talked about Kaiserstuhl. We talked about, Kaiserstuhl. yeah, any, anything else we're, we're missing on? Yeah, I mean, the Markgräfler Land as well. Mm -hmm. There's a great Pinot Noir coming from there. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, this is what I can say. Um, I don't know if you would count in Franken. No, it's not. It's more middle of Germany. That depends who you ask, probably. But yeah. yeah. So southwest, you mean southwest Germany. Yeah, Baden is also a Breisgau, a Kaiserstuhl, Tuniberg, and then really down to the Markgräfler Land, to the border of Switzerland. Yeah. There's the Ziereisen winery, they are on Jurassic Chalk, um, making fantastic Pinot Noirs, and also great gut edel, can be also, can be really good. Yeah, Aufrecht Bodensee, absolutely, and on the Lake Constance. But it's a bit hard to get them because the, the tourism at the Lake Constance is so big, so you can't yeah. really. It's a long time that I tasted Aufrecht Bodensee, but there's also Teresa Teufel, for example. Mm -hmm. There's some good stuff there too. You yeah. should, people should just take the car and go and drive there and get it. Yes. And drink it there. In Germany. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the Mosel, the Mosel making holidays. We did our uh, honeymoon on the Mosel. Okay. Yeah, because we spent so much money on the celebration. We so you're like, okay, we can go on a honeymoon, but honey, it's only going to be, I cannot, we cannot go farther than the Mosel. This is the, the furthest we can go. 
You wanted to go to Holland, to the North Sea, but that was not possible. The budget that was, was gone. Possible. No money left. So we yeah. went for, for Mosel and ate schnitzel, but drank great. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, about, it's about the company, right? It's not, not about the destination. <laughs> That's what I always say, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So Riesling is the answer. Here you have it. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Very dumb question. Well, and that's the last one then. Uh, I have done no research, but is there a German wine Bible? Yeah, well, there are some good German wine books. So I'll just uh, let you answer that question. What do you think is for somebody who wants to read up on, on Germany as a wine country? What is? Uh... I, I think my master of wine colleague, Anne Krebiel, yeah. wrote a very comprehensive book on, on German uh, in English. I think that's the book to go for because it's really uh, one of the latest uh, uh, published and it's really up to date so i can rec strongly recommend that yeah that's uh, also something with atlas rights german wine atlas or what's what's the title i'm not sure yeah i think yeah that's also okay but yeah but but Grebel is a very different story yeah, yeah, yeah. i agree so it's people uh, i would also say that's a Good. What I like about the German wine atlas is the maps. Yeah, it's an atlas, but yeah, uh, if you look, if you really look, I tried to find this. For example, for Italy, it's impossible because in Italy there is no structure. So this no. is what, this is what Germans have, but in Italy it's different everywhere. And don't talk about Piemonte Barolo because if we talk about uh, MGAs and stuff, then you can draw a hundred maps and they're all different. But uh, in Germany, it is nicely uh, uh, chartered. So um, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Nice to see how that's uh, how that's going. Yeah, Anne Krebel. I will. Uh, I, I know you, Peter. I will send you the the name for the for the book. Uh, yeah, it's in my uh, book uh, uh, on my bookshelf, but I'm not going to look for it now. But I have it, and I totally agree. It's really a great. Uh, Absolutely. Great yeah, Anna. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good, Romana. Thank you. You're my so, pleasure. I would like to thank you very much, and uh, for taking an hour out of your uh, busy time, busy schedule, and uh, on the birthday of your son. So yes. Uh, once again, <laughs> congratulations and. Um, well, I, I surely will see you again in another masterclass because you you do some uh, some nice ones for uh, Holland for Wine Studio, for instance. Yes. So uh, it's easy for people to uh, to see more and hear more about you. Thank um, you very much. My pleasure. And, the invitation. Yeah. And, and um, have a nice evening. And I don't know if you have any last words for the people watching. They're also going to be able to see the recording. So if they didn't catch it, then they will just okay. watch later. So some last words okay yeah. thank you very much for your attention and it was great talking to you okay. and hope to see you soon with a glass of riesling or even better with a glass Chill of <laughs> very okay. good thank you have a nice evening thank bye you bye-bye bye. Bye. so thank you everybody for watching um today uh we had the last episode of season three and um Romana was a great guest and I think everybody learned a lot about Germany, uh, even if you were already very knowledgeable. And we're having a break for Cellar uh, Talk, so we're not coming back with uh, straight away with season four. But we have some special editions and uh, Tuesday we have one about uh, Italy, uh, food and wine. And we have one coming up, which we will announce shortly. But uh, in the meanwhile, we're going to do some other stuff to just follow the Instagram. And uh, thank you all for watching today. And don't forget today's World Sauvignon Blanc Day. So if you haven't opened up a bottle, you can maybe uh, take the opportunity to do so. Have a nice evening, have a great weekend, and uh, thank you very much for watching. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to visit us on Instagram at Dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. 
You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.